Hey, it's Chaz Mostert here, and yes, I'm inside your speaker. I'm in here because I have a special message for you from Clayton in Melbourne. If you're a club, state, or national racer on the circuit or on the dirt in Speedway or rallying, you can now tap into the know-how of Walkinshaw Racing Services, and you don't need a supercar to get in the door. The same expertise that's won multiple Bathurst 1000s and V8 Supercar Championships is now available for you to call upon. From bonnet to bumper, WRS can help you with engines, design, paint, machining, fabrication, and so much more for all sorts of makes, models, and categories. Have a chat with Walkinshaw Racing Services and tell them what matters to you. Call now on 1300 WRacing or email services at walkinshawracing.com.au. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. Hello and welcome to the Castrol Motorsport News Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Van Leeuwen, and here's what's making news this week. Weather played havoc with testing plans for the Southern-based Supercars teams last week with running at Winton cut short due to rain. Walkinshaw and Dredd United, Erebus Motorsport, Brad Jones Racing, Grove Racing and Tickford Racing were all affected. BJR did, however, return on the Thursday and use up a test day. The Queensland teams also tested on Thursday with some firm hints about who may fill the remaining enduro seats dropped with Premier Racing running Matt Charter and Kirk Kostecki. Jalen Robotham, meanwhile, tested with Matt Stone Racing and has since been confirmed as Cam Hill's co-driver for the Enduros. Erebus has taken a unique approach to its minor backing for the remainder of the supercars season, with the team to auction off prominent space on its front and rear bars online for each round. The initiative kicks off with the Darwin Triple Crown next week. Scott McLaughlin was reunited with the Peter Brock Trophy in Detroit on the weekend. The trophy made the journey to the States as part of the build-up to the 60th anniversary of the Bathurst 1000 later this year. The famous Archerfield Speedway hosted its last race last weekend. The venue now closed after 44 years of operation. Luke Oldfield won the final ever race. And the Speed Series season continues this weekend at Winton with S5000, Touring Car Masters, Trans Am, Sports Sedans, TCR Australia, V8 Touring Cars and Australian Formula Ford all in action. Clay Richards will join a 14-car TCR field in a Melbourne Performance Centre-run Audi. Joining me this week to discuss all that and more is a teammate that always knows the difference between rain and sweat, Stefan Bartholomew. Stefan, how are you this week? Um, well, thanks, Andrew. Another great uh, intro there from you. That George Russell weather report in the Spanish Grand Prix was a beauty. Imagine yep. if he'd actually pitted for inters and did all that. <laughs> it's crazy. A little bit of hair that wasn't tucked into the balaclava, right? And uh, suddenly yeah. he's uh, he's skidding around thinking it's pouring with rain. But um, anyway. And just remember, water on outside is rain, water on inside is sweat. Uh, that's a good tip. I will definitely keep that in mind. Well, speaking about rain, um, last week we spoke about the upcoming test for the Supercast teams and how critical it would be this early in the Gen 3 cycle. In the end, though, there wasn't much running uh, south of the Queensland border. That was thanks to wet weather at Winton with all the teams that were meant to run pulling the pin before the two-hour time limit so they could keep their test day or their evaluation or their rookie day or whatever up their sleeves. Uh, there was better luck with the weather up in Queensland, though, with MSR, Premier Racing, DJR and Triple Eight all getting plenty of laps in. That was critical for Ford to have DJR in action at QR amid the ongoing parity saga. There is a mapping change in the works for Darwin that is very likely to be approved, so any info on that 
uh, will obviously be very important. Triple Eight, meanwhile, ran three cars, the two Red Bull entries and the super cheap wildcard Camaro for Zane Goddard and Craig Lowndes and also gave co-drivers Richie Stanaway and Jamie Winkup some laps. Uh, Here's what those combos, so SVG, uh, Stanaway, um, Brock Feeney and Jamie Winkup and Zane Goddard and Craig Lowndes had to say after the test. Yeah, we had to make a new seat because my legs keep cramping the way you have to sit. So I'm kind of sitting all funky to try and, yeah, get comfortable. So he's had to make a new seat on top of that. But, um, yeah, it seems to be a bit better for him. Yeah, he's a driver good enough to be a full-time guy. So, yeah, hopefully um, he does a good job this year. He's been awesome to have part of the team and the way he works is good. We're both struggling with feeling, I guess, and feedback in the car, but is what it is with this thing. It's uh, great to get some more laps in the car. Last time I drove the car was the first day back in February. Um, and the main thing for me was just getting comfortable in the car with a proper seat insert, because when I drove at the pre-season test in Sydney and the day in February, I didn't have a seat insert. So uh, to actually be fitted into the car properly now is is a good feeling. And uh, just to check that off, off the list, driving with Shane, I was sort of, a bit anxious that I would just be very comp- compromised on my position, but uh, luckily with the sliding pedal box in the new car, I can basically get exactly um, how, I, how I want to sit in the car. And um, yeah, so we checked that off the list. And um, another key thing for us too is um, yeah, working on the the blip in the, the throttle response uh, with me trying to left foot brake and um, figuring out where we go with that. With that. So um, yeah, it's been a good few runs in the car so far. Yeah, we were trying to put a wild card together to actually do one of the, the sprint rounds before the Enduros just to get an, an extra leg up. But unfortunately, that's not looking likely at this stage. It's maybe likely to be after the Enduros. But um, yeah, I'm comfortable with, with where I'm at in the car. I'm not, not feeling too lost out there. So um, any running I can do between now and Sandown is just going to be um, an added plus. I suppose this is a really crucial day for us. And um, yeah, it's it's good to have a day where we can actually try some things that we wouldn't on a race weekend. So I feel like we all sort of get stuck in our circle a little bit and, and don't want to be too adventurous and try and keep it somewhat that we know. So today's a good opportunity to be outside that box and, and try and learn some new things. I think this year there might actually be a bit more of a difference between the main and co's because these new cars are, are quite different to drive. So I think as many laps as the co-drivers can get will only help. and. And he said there's 600 points up for grabs in two races and, and they're a big part of that. So um, I still think I got the best guy in my corner for that, thankfully. And um, I just really enjoy working with him. I feel like he lifts lifts all of us in our team and, and makes us push that little bit more. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun enduro campaign, but we've still got a long way to go till then. Yeah, it's really important for guys and girls like myself to get laps in the new car. The old car... We'd done 15 years with it. Literally, I had so much muscle memory. I could jump in and off you go and everything felt normal where this car feels quite foreign. So um, it's like first day of school again, learning a, learning a new trick. Um, so laps, laps today for me, just, just to familiarize myself, get some muscle memory for even where all the buttons are, what the car does when the wheel locks up, how it reacts to curbs and bumps. Um, that's, that's my program. So um, I've already had half a dozen laps, which is good. Hopefully get another 10 or 20 this afternoon, but um, just trying to juggle between giving me some laps for later in the year and giving giving Brock majority of laps to try to make the car go faster. So yeah, my first new car. So yeah, pretty stoked that they let me do the first laps, you know, saying that I'd see in the garage. So yeah, take that, Craig, I'm joking. But um, yeah, no, nah, it was good. It was really nice having a new car. Um, and yeah, 
it's just been a cool experience so far. So yeah, still got a fair bit of the day to go, but yeah, loving life. Yeah, you know, we're working together quite well so far. I mean, Craig did a little bit of stuff together in the Gen 3 um, when I was in the Mustang, he was in the car, I was on the enemy side. And um, yeah, so we sort of know how each other uh, sort of speak about the car and what we want out of the car. And yeah, so far we're sort of wanting the same things, which is always positive. You know, we're not fighting to go one direction or the other. Uh, and then working with Wes, it's good, you know, it's sort of like two years ago or three years ago, whatever it is now, sort of working with him. Um, so yeah, that sort of accelerated the learning process a little bit as well. So yeah, it's a, it's a good little synergy. This is our wildcard basically debut. Uh, we got the launch done a couple of weeks ago. Now it's basically down to business. So Zane drove it out of the garage for the first time and it was really, you know, it was great to finally see the car now on track. You know, I've seen it in the workshop, getting built, putting panels on it. Now you actually hear it, you see it. And, uh, and it was great for Zane because he, I didn't know, but he's never had a brand new car. So, uh, you know, he got to break it in. Uh, really today is to, to give Zane more miles, to back him up. I've been in the car sort of just to evaluate it, where I think the car's at. Uh, Zane and I are talking the same language, which is really good and really positive. But it's more, right now it's more for Zane to get his head around the car, the style of the car, what the team's philosophy of the car, before we head into Darwin. And we've got a couple of more test days further down the track, which then obviously will get more I suppose teeth into it and we'll be able to then really get our heart and soul into the car but at the moment the car felt really nice we made some adjustments with the suspension the car's responding to that uh, i've given my feedback to wes mcdougall um whether he believes me or not that's his problem uh, but it's it, it's all going to plan and uh, you know it's great to see zane and, and it's also great to have this program to get the youth back into this sport and zane zane's been there he fell out of the program for a bit hopefully through this now we can get him back in there and there's some interesting stuff there, particularly about the seat and Shane Van Gisbergen's cramping. He's obviously still struggling to cram himself in to those kind of petite Gen 3 cars. Uh, there was also some interesting pointers, as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, on a few of the remaining enduro seats on offer with Kirk Kostecki and Matt Charter testing for Premier Racing. Uh, Jalen Roboth had tested for, S, uh, for MSR and is now locked in as Cam Hill's co-driver. Stefan, thoughts on the Robotham deal and those options for Premier? I think MSR have ended up with quite an exciting lineup. They've already got Jaden Ojeda locked in alongside Jack LeBrock and now Jay Robotham. He's another young driver who has done the Bathurst 1000 before and has the potential to do a good job. As for Premier, it sounds like Kirk Kostecki is the favourite for that seat now, but only because Joey Mawson is banging his head against the super licensed brick wall. I know this will have you fired up. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we've heard a lot about Joey being linked to Premier. Um, he tested for the team earlier this year, but, yeah, it does seem as if his chances are going to be scuppered by something that we've torn up plenty of times on this pod in the past and we're about to do it again, and that is the super licence. Now, the issue is that he doesn't satisfy the Super 2 requirement or have a high enough uh, FIA grading to avoid that. Um, he has petitioned to try and uh, get his uh, grading lifted so he could circumnavigate the Super 2 requirement um, and that uh, the FIA hasn't come to the party on that just yet. We'll crack into that absolute nonsense soon enough. But first, here's a chat I had with Joey about his S5000 campaign and his hopes and dreams for the future. Uh, we're a couple of rounds into the S5000 S5, season. How are you feeling? Cooper Webster looks to be up to the fight this year. Are you sort of enjoying that little tussle with him at the moment? Yeah, no, indeed I am. I have a, a lot of respect for Cooper as a competitor. Um, he's always a, a very fair racer and it's been good to, to see his progress every year. I mean, um, 
you know, he's, he's obviously he's been doing S5000 as, as long as me, but every year he's continued to, to climb up and climb up. And this year it seems as though he's uh, very much a, a championship contender. Um, so, yeah, very much enjoying uh, the rivalry that's uh, beginning to form between myself and him. There's been a fair bit of tweaking going on with these cars, you know, throughout last year and into this season as well. Um, how are you finding them at the moment? Are they getting closer to landing on what the sort of right technical package should be for this category? Um, I believe so. There's been some changes. We've uh, obviously pushed the past to introduce um, some some form of overtaking. Um, I'm very much excited to see when we go to the, the softer tyre. Uh, I haven't driven it yet, but from everyone that uh, that has driven it, they speak very highly of it. Um, they say that uh, you can definitely feel the potential of the car a lot more. Uh, the car squats a lot more. It doesn't move around uh, quite as much. So I hope that the, the soft tyre will be able to promote some, uh, some better racing because the tricky part at the moment is the tyre is um, so knife edge because it's so stiff that it doesn't give much confidence um, being able to dive in late into braking zones and really attack the braking. Um, so that's what holds back the racing at times. Has the push to pass, you know, that you just mentioned, has that made much of a difference to the racing product, do you think? Uh, it did in the first race at Tassie, but I was surprised that it didn't do as much at Phillip Island. I really thought the, the racing would be a lot more... Uh, yeah, uh, that'd be a lot more like uh, overtaking. Um, yeah, but uh, it seems that everyone's starting to get pretty strategical with it now. So it's kind of seems like it flatlined a bit at Phillip Island. Um, it'd be interesting to see what it does at at Winton. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, I don't think it'll have as much of an effect because the straights are simply just too short. Is that what sort of happens with something like that? Everyone kind of works out the best way to use it, and then suddenly it's difficult to use it to any sort of advantage? Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And and the problem is the dirty air is still there. So, um, like, for example, what I found at Phillip Island was I got close to, to Cooper, but then once I got within eight tenths, seven tenths in that last race, and I was kind of just stuck. Um, I couldn't really get any closer with the dirty air. Um, so that's that's still the, the tricky part. Um yeah, so it'd be interesting to see how, how it progresses throughout the year. What are you expecting from Winton this year? As you mentioned, it's sort of, uh, you know, a fairly tight, compact uh, circuit. Is it going to be pretty much a qualifying game there, do you reckon? Is that what you're going to need to nail to, to get a result? Yeah, I mean, that's certainly how I'm approaching the weekend. Um, for sure, uh, in the history of S5000, I mean, if you qualify well, the, the whole weekend's just a whole lot different, as Jimmy Golding's kind of proven. Um, he's been, you know, one of the quickest guys um, this year, but he hasn't qualified on the on the front row. I don't think, well, he had the issue at Tassie, but he hasn't basically started off the front row and, you know, it just turns out to, to make the weekend a whole lot more difficult. Um, so, yeah, qualifying will be absolutely critical. I guess it'll be a bit like Monaco in F1, where you pretty much know how your weekend's going to turn out. After Polly. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, as fun as racking up gold star titles is, what's your kind of goal for the future at the moment? You know, what's the what's the next step in the racing journey for Joey Mawson? Um, yes, so for me, uh, it's uh, to be in the supercar grid. Um, certainly that's been my goal since arriving back um, to, to Australia from Europe. Um, so obviously S5000 has been uh, a fantastic category. I've absolutely loved driving the cars but um yeah i would say supercars is is 
the the dream and um, the end goal. So you look set to land a Bathurst drive with Premier Racing, but it appears that the good old super license system is going to get in the way. Where are things with that right now? I know you've approached the FIA to have your status uh, upgraded. Is there still a chance that could happen or are you just sort of feeling like it's not going to? I mean, obviously at this stage it's not looking great, but I'm still trying to work around what I can do to to be able to get myself upgraded to gold. Uh, um, yeah, Premier have been uh, very kind to have, Give me a lot of time to try sort this out. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm obviously still fighting, but obviously it's not it's not looking great at this stage. How frustrating is that? I mean, the idea that you're not up to the task, and you know, the, the whole point of the super license thing was meant to be, you know, driver safety and protecting cars and that. Like, that's just laughable that you're considered any sort of risk at that. This must be immensely frustrating. It is. It is. It's. It's very frustrating. I mean, um, yeah. Uh, obviously, in motorsport, you know, sometimes all you need is an opportunity to be able to get that break. Um, I've obviously been presented a, a great opportunity with Premier Racing, willing to, to do that for me. And um, yeah, it's it's very frustrating and disappointing that um, obviously I'm being denied that opportunity at at the moment. I mean, I know Motorsport Australia is happy to issue you a super license. They've awarded you two gold stars in a row, one of their top, you know, so that in their system you're up to the task. Have you actually spoken to anyone at Supercars about this issue? Um, uh, I've been speaking to a few people about it, but obviously they're adamant about having to do the six Super 2 races and the only way uh, around that is either to be upgraded to to gold status in the FI driver categorization. Um, yeah, when, when I've spoken to them, there's absolutely no leeway. Um, they're not going to consider um, at all giving me dispensation unless I tick even one of those criteria, which is the, the six Super 2 races or being a, a gold categorized driver. Every lap in under a minute means every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint, May 17 to 19. Book now at Tick Attack. Supercars unforgettable. Stefan, we won't go on about this forever because we've said pretty much everything about the Super License before, but this does feel like a whole new level of ridiculousness to me. I mean, uh, to me, I mean, clearly the idea that this bloke poses some sort of safety risk is absolutely nuts. He's clearly a highly competent professional level race car driver. And I reckon at some point, Motorsport Australia, as the issuers of the licenses and the people awarding this guy gold stars, which is meant to be one of the highest honours in Australian motorsport, needs to actually do something about this. What do you reckon? It, it highlights the reason why the governing body should be solely in control of licenses rather than a private enterprise like supercars being able to intervene we all know that there's not even a shred of a safety element here it's just mm. purely a commercially driven roadblock that supercars has engineered into the system and clearly supercars and its teams benefit financially from steering these young drivers through super two but the rest of the sport is just being strangled including these young drivers who can't afford to race super two it's just it's a blight on the sport at the moment but does Motorsport Australia have the clout or the conviction to actually pull supercars up on it? I think that's where the issue is. It's also kind of funny that Super 2 is deemed this necessary box to check, you know, to, to qualify you to be a driver good enough to compete in supercars when it's actually kind of famous for having terrible driving standards. 
yeah, it's an irony for sure. And so is the fact that a lot of the current Super 2 drivers aren't eligible either because they're in their first year, so haven't done six rounds. Like, as it stands, it looks like Zach Best and Jack Perkins are the only current Super 2 drivers who will be on the grid at Bathurst and the likes of Jaden Ojeda and Jay Robotham, who have signed at MSR that we talked about earlier, they've done a season or two of Super 2, but they're out of it because it's too expensive to just keep going back and doing. So the cost of Super 2 is clearly a core part of this problem and its relevance is a little questionable as well at the moment, given the move to Gen 3. But I guess Supercars doesn't really have to address those issues with its category if it can just force the pathway through manipulating the license system. Yep, absolutely. It is not a good system. Uh, Speed Series at Winton this weekend, Stefan. And once again, it's a pretty packed card. I'm sure we get plenty of Kelly Country quips when Owen is out there, all guns blazing in Trans Am. Uh, What's caught your eye ahead of the weekend, Stefan? Well, it's not a core Speed Series category, but I've got to say I'm really looking forward to the sports sedan races there this weekend. They've got a 28-car field for round one of their national series. And it's headlined by the return of Tony Riccadello in that famous Alpha GTV. And being a West Aussie car, I'm sure that Mm. that thing is right up your street. Although I should say there's there's also an Aston Martin sponsored by Victoria Bitter in the field. So that's that's probably a bit of you as well. I did see that. Yeah, that definitely caught my eye. It looks like something that might pop up on uh, on Gran Turismo Sports Sedan, <laughs> the Riccadillo Alpha. That is a that is the the pride of WA. That car, it's uh, amazing. I've watched that race at Wanneroo many many times, and just love seeing it out there, still getting it done. And it's such a timeless category, sports sedans, like because these things are just yeah, they're just they're just awesome. And that car's been going around forever and ever, and it's still awesome, and it's still wonderfully competitive. So, yep, very cool. And and they. They just make it quicker and quicker yep. every time. So we haven't seen it for a couple of years. I'm looking forward to, to knowing if they've uh, tuned it up a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's take a look at what happened around the world over the weekend. Max Verstappen cruised to victory in the Spanish Grand Prix ahead of a much improved Mercedes duo of Lewis Hamilton and George Russell. Oscar Piastri qualified 10th but slipped back to 13th after a tough race. Alex Pillow won on IndyCar's return to the downtown streets of Detroit, beating Will Power. Scotty Mack finished 7th after a costly run-in with Romain Grosjean, two-thirds into the race. Michael Dunlop matched John McGuinness's record of 23 Isle of Man TT wins with victories in the Supersport and Superbike classes on the weekend. Kyle Busch won the NASCAR Cup Series race at Gateway. LeBron James will be the official starter for the centenary running of the 24 hours of Le Mans this weekend and Formula 3 is set to return to the streets of Macau for the first time since the pandemic this November. Stefan, a quick one on the IndyCar race. I thought it was interesting that a lot of drivers didn't like this new Detroit street circuit early in the weekend, but Scott McLaughlin, a driver that we know has immense street circuit experience, basically told them all to stop whinging and then the race was actually pretty good. Well, Scotty probably couldn't be too critical considering the whole thing was a Penske project. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the race had plenty of action, as you say. Like, there was some good overtaking despite how narrow and bumpy it was in some places. The only thing, though, certainly on TV at least, I thought it was a shocking-looking joint. It was just the stereotype of an ugly grey concrete street track, but I'm not sure what they're going to be able to do about that going forward. 
we're just treated to the sights of Newcastle and the Gold Coast, Stefan. We don't know how lucky we are sometimes. Don't forget the Adelaide Parklands there, the king of all oh, street circles. <laughs> the king, the king of We've got the pride of West Australia and the pride of South Australia all in the same pod. Amazing. Okay, Castro mailbag time. Uh, and we've got a bit of an extended mailbag this week with some quick-fire questions and opinions from listeners. Uh, the first is Grant Hilda, who says, Brody Kostecki is like a 2023 version of Alan Jones. AJ is a legend. Stefan, is BK the new AJ, do you reckon? It's a, uh, it's a fun analogy, and I can see it from a couple of points, but I think where they differ a fair bit is that Brody is quite engaged on the technical side. He's very mechanically minded. Whereas AJ was just all about jumping in and driving the wheels off whatever they gave him. And he was one of the absolute best at doing that, obviously. But certainly in his touring car days, like when he drove for Glenn Seaton, AJ would just, he wouldn't even test with him. He'd just jump in at a race weekend and run whatever spring Cito chose. So it's hard to imagine anyone operating like that today. It is. It absolutely is. Uh, Chris Delvers asks, which driver has won the most championships over all classes they've competed in? I'm wondering if it is Jim Richards. Stefan, you're the sleuth man with the stats. You're a big Richo fan. What do you reckon? Is this on the money? Well, this sort of question always comes down to what your definition of a championship is. But yeah, if you take it as a major Australian title, like Jim has 15 across touring cars, NASCAR, GTP, Nations Cup, Career Cup, all of that stuff. So, yeah, I don't think anyone really matches that. There's there's a couple who have got a good record across categories like Brad Jones, for example, who won a bunch of Oscar and NASCAR as well as super touring and super production as well. But, yeah, he doesn't get uh, quite as high as Jim. Scott Bridey says sports sedans are the best category in Australian circuit racing. You've got a friend here, Stefan. I reckon there's uh, there's more than a few of us out there, Andrew. It's it's great actually this year that the sports sedans are on the Bathurst 1000 and the Gold Coast 500 supercar event deals yeah. later on as well. Like they'll be seriously amazing at those tracks, and and it's great that yeah. supercars have let these this category on there, seeing that they're more spectacular and quicker than a supercar. I think that's been an issue for them in the past, but uh, yeah, sports sedans are a great category, and the historic scene is booming for them as well. It's just it's just a great rule set with. Some such a rich history. I think we're going to need to spend a bit of time trackside uh, on the Gold Coast in particular, maybe over the beach chicane watching those babies fly through there. That will be pretty impressive. Uh, Justin Olden asks, who do you think is the most underrated Australian driver or rider in world motorsport? Uh, I'm going to go with Toby Price for this one. That's not saying he's not highly rated, but having written a book with the bloke, I still don't think he gets the credit for what he's been through and what he's achieved on that world stage in some pretty gruelling events and after some pretty horrific injuries. So I'm going to go with Toby on this one. Uh, Stefan, what do you reckon? Yeah, that's a good shout. I'll, uh, I'll nominate Will Power and it's sort of, it's almost a similar sort of deal. Like we all know he's phenomenal, but it probably doesn't quite get said enough just how good Will is and how much he's achieved. Uh, Brandon Braisted says, Brody and Cam have been guests of high-profile NASCAR teams. SVG is running in a NASCAR race. Who is next and how likely are Erebus and Tickford to keep their stars of the future from crossing the Pacific? Um, I sort of feel like that this 12-round schedule that we've been running to, you know, is making supercars less attractive to drivers or at the very least fostering this idea of racing elsewhere to try and do more racing and stay match fit. So, um, I think the risk of guys jumping ship is actually very real at the moment, particularly when you've got someone like Scotty Mack in IndyCar showing that, you know, supercars drivers can cut it 
elsewhere. What do you think, Stefan? I think there's a big difference between scoring a one-off drive somewhere and actually doing something full-time that takes them completely away from supercars. Like a top supercar seat isn't something that should actually be given up lightly. Like it's easy to get lost in the negativity here and not actually see how good it is. But from a supercar's team point of view, they should be encouraging their drivers to have a crack elsewhere, especially as you say, when there's only 12, 12 rounds here. So that's, Clearly, what Erebus are doing um, with uh, trying to assist Brody maybe get a drive um, in a NASCAR race too. So, um, yeah, I don't think we'll see too many leave supercars full-time for uh, overseas stuff. Uh, Aaron HM asks, what happened to the supercars Ute GRM built in the 2000s? Stefan, this is definitely your territory. Yeah, GRM still have this car. It sits up on the mezzanine level at the team's workshop with a few of their other old rigs, including the 2000 Bathurst winner. Uh, Darren Southam says, F1 cars are way too big, too wide, and too long. I could not agree more. Anytime you see the comparisons of even like a, a mid-2000s car compared to, which you would still class as a fairly modern car compared to the current cars, it is just, they are huge. And if you've ever stood in pit lane and watched uh, and watch, you know, pit stop practice or something uh, at the at Albert Park. Like, they're massive. Yeah, when you're actually in the pit lane, they look like uh, yachts manoeuvring around. They're uh, they're huge, and I think it's a pretty widely held view that they're too big, and you can probably throw yeah. too heavy in there as well. And there is some talk about how they they can make them smaller and lighter in the future, but certainly things like the the hybrid system and the, the modern crash structures that they have contribute to some of these issues, even though being heavier seems at odds with the push to be greener. But yeah, I mean, the fact that modern F1 cars are bigger and heavier than Indy cars doesn't really compute, does it? Nah, not at all. Not at all. Uh, Mark Richard Preston asks, do you think given the current chaos, which is parody in supercars, Ford will follow through on its threat to lead the series and put money into GT3 or GT4? I mean, Mark Rushbrook was actually quite strong on that quit threat that he issued last week so it's clearly not impossible but i'd say it's highly unlikely and that the threat is more political posturing as they do fight as i mentioned before they are fighting right now for for a um for a mapping change for darwin very likely to happen but uh they still see for still sees the big ticket items as transient dyno testing and um torque sensors um, so I think a lot of this, you know, they would be silly to say, oh, we definitely won't leave while they're while they're there trying to take the fight to supercars to get what they want. Um, also, just on the GT3 thing, I don't think that a GT3 program really affects other programs as it's a customer setup that should actually generate income instead of diluting the sporting budget. So I don't think it's ever going to be a where we can do one or the other. What do you reckon, Stefan? Yeah, the GD3 stuff is is customer racing, as you say, and the involvement there is to sell race cars and, and parts rather than uh, sort of the marketing side for the road cars like supercars is. Probably the only exception is the Bathurst 12-hour where it does sound like Ford want to try to do something as a proper factory team there yeah. in the future. But, yeah, it's it's not a like-for-like swap with supercars and there's a lot of uh, a lot going on in that parity uh, discussion at this point, but, um, yeah. Both parties are working on it. I'm sure they'll they'll work it out. Matthew Deer says, Ferrari made the wrong decision to sack Mattia Binotto. Uh, well, what they're doing right now clearly doesn't seem to be working. Stefan? 
it's, it's a tough one to kind of say too much about from this far away, but clearly they had the best car at the start of 2022 and didn't go on with it. But yeah, sacking the coach isn't always addressing the problems in, in any sporting team, is it? Not on a long-term basis generally, but there you go. Alrighty, let's hand out some Castrol Stars of the Week. I'm going to give mine to Max Verstappen, not for winning the Spanish Grand Prix, but for hearing Dr. Helmut Marco's phone ringing over the radio during the race. Uh, that's just the sort of quirkiness that gets me going. And I think he heard something, I think he heard something during another on the radio about someone else stopping or something a while back. Like he just seems to be, you know, there's been some quotes from Christian Horner saying, this shows like just how good the guy is to be driving an F1 car flat out and still picking up on those little details. Uh, Stefan, who gets your Castrol star? That might be slightly showing how good Max's car is at the moment as well, to be to be fair. Well, but yeah. Um, yeah. speaking of winners, I'm giving my star of the week to Alex Palou, who, as you mentioned earlier, won the IndyCar race in Detroit on the weekend. It's no surprise to see him win a race. He's a former champion, a recent champion, but he was just amazing on that new street course. Like he was on another level to everyone else. It was it was hugely impressive. Very, very true. Well, that's it for this week. Remember to like, subscribe and review our work wherever you listen to your podcast. And we'll be back next week with more Castrol Motorsport News. Hey, it's Chaz Mostert here, and yes, I'm inside your speaker. I'm in here because I have a special message for you from Clayton in Melbourne. If you're a club, state, or national racer on the circuit or on the dirt in Speedway or rallying, you can now tap into the know-how of Walkinshaw Racing Services, and you don't need a supercar to get in the door. The same expertise that's won multiple Bathurst 1000s and V8 Supercar Championships is now available for you to call upon. From bonnet to bumper, WRS can help you with engines, design, paint, machining, fabrication, and so much more for all sorts of makes, models, and categories. Have a chat with Walkinshaw Racing Services and tell them what matters to you. Call now on 1300 WRacing or email services at walkinshawracing.com.au.